wars have been fought over spirit, soul, and body, and which part is the spirit and the heart, and da 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 da. And uh, so you finally just have to pick something that uh, that you settle on and um, and understand. And so my best understanding is that our soul is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions. And I believe that's a good solid uh, stepping stone. The mind, the will, and the emotions. And did you know that that's where, you know, we think that we're in spiritual warfare, and we are in the sense that evil spirits can come against our soul. Did you know that? It's not all spiritual in the sense of the strictest meaning of, of our spirit man, our uh, eternal part. But then we have our mind, our will, and our emotions, and the devil attacks us there. That's where we deal with self-esteem, and that's where we deal with, with feelings of depression and fear, and all those things come against our soul. And I was telling Cherie I, uh, this morning or yesterday, I said, you know, uh, so much of our problems stem from a lack of identification with Christ. It's easy for us to identify with our struggles, identify with our problems. Many times people identify with something unfortunate that happened to them in, in earlier days. Uh, perhaps they were, you know, something happened. They were molested or in some way, or something happened that was that was unfortunate. And um, and and instead of working through that and 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 getting on the other side of it, they identify with it, and this is who they then become. So the rest of their lives, they can they can be a victim. And you know, you've heard the little sayings about. Are you a victim or a victor and that kind of thing? But there's really great truth in that, isn't there? And uh, so we have to decide all the time the things that come against us in life. Are we going to let this victimize us or are we going to get on top of it and have the victory over it? Amen? Well, how do we do that? Well, one thing is, is and the, the foundation, I believe, is identification. We identify with Christ. Even on the area of sin, it's important if you're going to overcome sin. Let's say, you know, uh, Paul talks about the sin which doth so easily beset me. He's talking about something that's, that uh, is, a, is an easy temptation. You know, everybody's different, right? They might have, one person might be tempted in some area, then another person says, "Well, I don't understand that at all." But then you got your own stuff, right? So uh, you'll notice that whatever it is, if we continually identify with the sin, or our failures, or our shortcomings, or our past, or whatever it is, that will hold us in bondage there in that place. But if we'll identify with Christ, Identify with Him. The fact that He has already... How many, how many know Jesus is not in heaven fighting battles? He's already overcome. Amen? He's overcome sin. He overcame even death itself. Hell and the grave. Praise the Lord. He is truly risen from the dead. How many believe Jesus has to 
to bolster himself every day to not be afraid. No, no, he's never afraid. We need to identify with him. He's victorious. And so let's read here. We, we will actually read the verses today. Ephesians, that's supposed to be kind of a joke. All right. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read uh, this from the, from the uh, King James, and then we'll go back through with the Amplified just to, for emphasis. Let's start at uh, chapter 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Notice past tense. Now, we're no longer dead in trespasses and sins. There are certain groups that they like to testify and say, I'm a sinner saved by grace. But no, we're not a sinner saved by grace. We were sinners. But now we're sons and daughters of God. Amen. So we were sinners. And we were saved by grace, but now we're saved. Praise the Lord. And we're saints called by God. So it says, were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom... Also, we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature. Now, there's a whole teaching there. You've heard me do some of it. We're partakers of the divine nature. Our nature has changed. It's not just, well, we've decided to be followers of the teachings of Christ. We are followers of the teachings of Christ, but we're better than that. We've got a better position than that in that we have been changed. Our nature is changed. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. In other words, it was it's natural for those who are not saved, it's natural for them to sin. It's natural for them to do disobedient things. It just comes naturally. And just as much so, it becomes natural for children of God to produce fruit of the Spirit. Praise the Lord. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let's read verses 4 through 6 from the Amplified. But God, so rich is He in mercy, because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which He loved us, even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, He made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ Himself, the same new life with which He quickened Him. For it is by, 
the same. I just had to stop and emphasize that. The same new life. In other words, there's only one life. That's the life God breathes. Amen? For it is by grace, His favor and mercy, which you did not deserve, that you are saved, delivered from judgment. What does it mean to be saved? Delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. And He raised us up together with Him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with Him. In the heavenly sphere, by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Did you know it's important that we understand the gospel every day? That, and, and, and that we go to the cross, but then we've got to get to the throne in our hearts and mind. Amen? Some people say, well, I just want to stay by the cross. Well, even Jesus didn't stay by the cross. He left the cross and went to the throne and is seated there. Amen. Really, our victory, we don't find our victory in the cross. We find our victory in the throne. The cross is the place of death. The cross is the place of the killing, and it's important to understand that. Amen. That that our sins were nailed to the cross. With Jesus became our sin, was nailed to the cross. Amen? So we need to understand that. That's important. But even more important is understanding what happened from the cross to the throne. How Jesus was victorious over all of it. Hallelujah. So you know a church like ours that emphasizes grace and righteousness a lot? You notice that? Uh, uh, sometimes we'll get criticisms thrown at us. Well, y'all don't ever preach on sin very much. And it's like, well, I'd rather preach on the solution to sin. I think most people understand what sin's about. There's no need in going through lists and lists of them. Which are they and how bad are they and which ones are the, you know, the worst and the whatever. So if you're not careful, we'll just park on, park on sin and, um, one thing is, whatever you preach in a church, that's what you'll have a lot of. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> whatever you preach a lot of, that's what you'll have a lot of. You know, there's churches to, to today that that they don't they don't have a lot of uh, gifts of the spirit and operation and that kind of thing. The main reason, it isn't because the Holy Ghost read the sign in the name of the church and said, Oh, I don't think I'm welcome there. I never have been for 300 years. It's just because of what's preached in there. Amen. Um, I, I mean, I, there, 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 are some, there are some traditional evangelical churches that you know, they don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They don't believe in speaking with tongues. And every now and then, one of them, their pastor, will accidentally get filled with the Holy Ghost, you know. And then he'll accidentally invite somebody in, and uh, 
that's, you know, full gospel, and they'll begin to preach and teach on the baptism of the Spirit. And before you know it, they've got 80 people down front on Sunday morning somewhere getting filled with the Spirit. Well, what happened? They had a mighty breakthrough. What happened? Well, as you finally mentioned it, amen? Whatever you talk about, that's what you're going to have a lot of. Have you noticed that? Like uh, one preacher said, if you get to talking about a lot of food, mentioning different recipes and things, you'll get hungry. If you talk about other things, you know. But if you talk about Jesus and talk about righteousness and talk about grace and talk about victory, you'll have a lot of that. Praise God. So, you know, the accusation that we get thrown at us is, well, you grace people are soft on sin. And it's like, no, we're not soft on sin because we believe that it was a tremendous price paid for our sin. I mean, Jesus suffered brutally in, in ways we can't imagine. Are you listening this morning? But the thing is you're not going to overcome sin and wrongdoing and you know wrong motives by just harping on that how are we going to and the same thing well if we're going to talk about sin you know sin's part of the curse isn't it Christ has redeemed us Galatians 3:13 from the curse of the law well if we're going to talk a lot about sin then we should talk a lot about sickness let's bring in a a, a medical book and just go over a few diseases who wants to hear that? Nobody. Well, then let's talk about lack and poverty. That's always an encouraging thing, isn't it? Think about it. Everything that Christ redeemed us from, we ought to be talking about the redemption from it and the victory over it, not the problem. Let's focus on the solution and identify with that, and then victory will come in our hearts and minds. Praise the Lord. You getting anything out of this? Hallelujah. Well, notice all these great things that God has done for us here in Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. The same new life. And so uh, this statement here, if you're not impressed with who you are in Christ, you haven't seen Him lately. In your, in your, in your heart. What happened to Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection is greater than anything else that has ever happened to you. Now, uh, it, it says that in Romans 5.20 that uh, grace is greater than our sin. Grace is greater than our failures. Grace is greater than our shortcomings. Isn't that wonderful? If you find yourself at a low point in your, in your walk with the Lord, get as fast as you can in your prayers, your thoughts, your Scripture reading to the victory that's in Christ. That's where, that's where you'll climb out of that hole. Amen. If sickness has taken a hold of your body and it seems like there's no hope, go and look at Jesus bearing your sickness on the tree. Amen. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains. By His stripes 
we are healed. The only place, and I tell you, as the world, I got, I got bad news. The bad news is the world is going to wax worse and worse. The Bible tells us that it will. But as the world waxes worse and worse, praise God, it even becomes more clear. There is no hope. There is no victory. There is no place of overcoming other than in Christ. Because we're watching governments fail. We're watching economic systems fail. But Jesus never fails. Isn't it interesting how an old message like that, an old thought like that, comes alive again, becomes more real to us than ever before. And so think about this, how to be impressed with who you are in Christ. Now, somebody might say, well, you know, Pastor, this sounds all very arrogant to me. You know, you're talking all this stuff about who you are in Christ, got all this victory and everything. You know, uh, how do you you think you are? You know, yeah, (laughs) that's okay. (laughs) I love feedback, you know, it helps me. Who do you think you are? And this, where's the humility? Well, the whole thing's in humility. Because we're not talking about ourselves. And as long as you're talking about yourself, how broke you are, how sick you are, how bad it is, what everything sad, uh, you're, 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 in a sense, you're lifting up yourself. Or sometimes you can even be lifting up the devil. You know, Brother Hagin said one time he used to have testimony time on Wednesday nights. It was pretty typical in full gospel churches back there. And a woman stood up and said, The devil's been after me all week. Bless his holy name. And sat down. Well, she meant, <laughs> she meant to bless the name of Jesus. Amen. But um, when, she, when she said that, The devil's been after me all week. Bless his holy name. You know, she might as well have been blessing His name. Because when you talk about what God's doing, you're lifting Him up. And when we're talking about what the devil's doing, we're lifting Him up. Let's talk about what God's doing. Let's talk about what Jesus has done. Is this helping anybody? Alright, so think about it. You don't have just a mercy... You know, we used to sing that song, Showers of Blessings... And then we'd sing, mercy drops round us are falling. Well, we've got more than just mercy drops. We've got the same identical life. See, when God raised Christ from the dead, He made you alive with Him so that now you have the same identical life. Isn't that something? The same identical life of Christ. The same identical righteousness, because there's only one righteousness, and that's in Jesus. You can't have two. You're either self-righteous or Christ-righteous. You have to choose. Which is it going to be? Same identical victory. Same identical blessing. Same identical inheritance, because we're joint heirs, the Bible tells us. Same identical. Isn't that something? This is mind-boggling. I'll tell you what, if we can this year get into this and really have a revelation of it, I believe it will change a lot of things. 
I believe some of the things that we've been praying about we'll see come to pass faster. I believe some of the things we've been claiming and confessing by faith we'll see an acceleration when we understand the position. Praise God, folks. When we are praying to Father God, we're not praying as beggars. We're not praying as those outside don't have a right to be there. God has made us to be partakers of all that He has. We're praying and talking to Him as sons and daughters. We're in the family. Hallelujah. Same identical victory. Same identical blessing. And then, of course, same identical inheritance. That's where I got stuck and started preaching a little. Same identical inheritance. And same identical authority. As a matter of fact, you are one with Christ. You are joined to Him, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh. Some folks think they live in the Spirit, but, you know, we're pretty sure they walked in. I live by the faith of the Son of God. This life I live, I'm now living by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Praise the Lord. What does that mean? And then uh, the Message Bible there says, I identified myself completely with Him. What's our, what's our, what's our subject this morning? Identification. I'm identifying with Him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, what does that mean to identify with Him? Once again. Now, folks, I want to tell you right now, just because you found a few scriptures and found some revelation, it doesn't mean you're exempt from the trials of life. I wish if we can ever find the exemption scripture, please let me know. Because we'll just, we'll just really you know, stand on that one. But the Bible, in fact, warns us and tells us that the psalmist said that the, the, the trials or the, the afflictions of the righteous are many and the Lord will cause you to grin and bear it. Is that what it says? No, but the Lord delivers him from all of them. What, what's he doing when he's talking like that? He's not identifying, believe it or not, with the trials and the tribulations. He's identifying with the deliverance. The minute that you're attacked, anybody here ever been attacked by something? Sickness? Lack? Somebody said something awful about you or to you? Did something harmful? The minute you're attacked, identify with Christ. The minute that an offense is offered. Now, the reason I say that is because really no one has the power to offend you. They have the power to offer an offense, but they don't have the power to offend you. It's your decision whether or not you're going to take it. 
move along, Brother Pastor. Don't talk about that too much. But that's true, isn't it? We can decide. I'm going to take the offense. But the minute that an offense comes and presents itself, the minute that sickness or disease tries to fasten itself, the minute that lack in any area tries to present itself, identify instantly with Christ. Amen. I am with Christ. Greater is He. I used to go around saying this out loud, really loud in my house. Greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. If God be for me, who can be against me? The devil is a liar. And then I'd get real spiritual and say, Liar, liar, pants on fire. And uh, we could look up the uh, Greek and Hebrew for that one. I like this. I identified myself completely with him. So what does that mean? What happened to us when we were born again? What happened to us when this divine nature was given to us? Little I moved out and big Christ moved in. When I weak I moved out and strong Christ moved in. Defeated I moved out, victorious Christ moved in. See, you don't look to your circumstances to know if you're defeated or victorious. And most of the time, you know, we're tempted to do that, aren't we? Well, when I when I feel weak or there's a weakness or a, or, or a darkness in my life that's presenting itself, it's easy to identify with that and say, "Well, I've got to get I've got to get the victory." But but we already have the victory if we'll stay in Christ. Amen. So sick eye moved out and healed Christ moved in. Poor eye moved out, rich Christ moved in. Hallelujah. God's a God of abundance. Amen. Now what we have to have is a revelation knowledge of this. Not just, yeah, that was a pretty good message and he was very positive. We're talking about a revelation on the inside of who we are. How does God change our identity? He changes it by revelation knowledge. Amen. In the new birth, you are not just a forgiven sinner. When you're born again, you become a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. You are recreated. This changes everything. When you become born again, you get regened. G-E-N-E-D. Regened. You get a new DNA. There's a champion in your genetic bloodline. His name is Jesus. You have been refathered by God. He is your very own father and you are his child. And we're born again, the Bible tells us, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed. Boy, this is a big deal. The center of the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And everything that God did in Christ, He did for you, He did for me, and is credited to our account 
as if we did it. It was all substitution. Amen. So when you see when you see Jesus on the cross, you see in your in your envisioning your imagination, when you see Jesus dying on the cross, it's credited to you by God as if you died. Amen. In other words, the price was paid. God's never coming back to you and saying, You owe me something. Hallelujah. Folks, we are completely enveloped in Him. Now, this reality, you know, we've been taught this stuff for, what, 30 years or something, 40. <laughs> Some folks longer than that, maybe. It isn't like it's brand new material. You know, it's been around a few hundred years. <laughs> the Word. But the revelation, remember what I said a couple of statements back, the revelation knowledge of this is just, in the last couple of years, has just become more real to me. You know, one of the things that this, that, that uh, trials do for you, they, oh, don't go there, Pastor. No, I'm telling you, one of the things that trials do for you the trials of life. I mean, we, you know, I could stand here for three hours and tell you the trials of life that Cherie and I have experienced just even in the last couple of years. Just like amazing things, not good amazing things. Some, some really tough things that we've had to face, that we've had to deal with. And... Um, you say, well, how did you overcome? How do you, how do you have the victory, Pastor? Is it a you know is it a facade? Are you just putting on your Sunday face? No, this is the face I always have. Hallelujah, for better or worse. <laughs> this is my face. <laughs> no, we don't have a we don't have a Cherie and I don't have a church face. I'm in a daily face. It's the same face. Praise the Lord. If you if you ran into me on the street, you'd find the same guy there as here. I carry the joy of the Lord. Cherie and I carry the victory of Christ. Well, I guess y'all are just further along in God. Well, no, not necessarily. But I tell you, one of the things that's helped us, like I said, what will trials do for you? It'll make you search your heart and see where your faith really is. Because it can't be in things, because things can, can 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 be swept away in a heartbeat. It can't be in people, because people can be swept away in a heartbeat. We learned that one. It can't be in what others say or do or how they behave, because you can't control that. Where is it? Where is your victory? Where is your joy? Is it in what you accomplish? Well, I hope not. Because how many have seen great accomplishments rise and fall? Is it in what you've done in the past that was so glorious? No, because that can be forgotten. And if you talk about that too much, it's like everybody goes, oh, he's living in the past. He's living in another era somewhere. That was then, this is now. We have to live in the now. What about today? What's going to happen now? Can you say amen? You, you can't go back and re 
regain, you can't go back and recapture your youth. You can't go back and recapture something that was lost. It's gone. So it, 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 it has a way of driving you to where am I going to put my foot? I like to use that illustration. It's like life is like walking through a murky stream of water and it's, it's, it's muddy water. It's, you know, it's good South Georgia River water. You can't see anything. And uh, you're walking through there, and you got to get across to the other side, and you can't see where there's maybe some stones and something to solid to stand on. You have to feel for it. So you take your foot, you know, and you kind of feel through and, and get across, and every now and then you'll step in and you go, oh, that's that's sinking in Florida, you can sink all the way to the bottom of the whatever creation, you know. But uh, you 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 you're trying to find your way. And folks, I tell you what, sometimes the only thing that gives you victory, the only thing that makes you know that God's for you, is the ink on the paper. I hate to boil it down like that, but I do because you know we grew up. You know, some of, there's a lot of us in this church that have a Pentecostal background, and we grew up with uh, encouragement for a lot of feeling and how you felt, and that's all fine. It's great when you feel the Spirit, isn't it? It's great when you sense His presence. But I'll tell you, there's things that can come in your life that uh, if you went by how you felt. Boy, you just wonder, where is God? Is He hearing me? Is He helping me? You ever been there? Anybody been there? Sure. So you you learn. Thank God. We want we don't want to do away with the idea of feeling. Some you know we we it's called throw out the baby with the bathwater. We don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Hallelujah. I like it when we get to singing and shouting and sense the presence of God or the preaching is so inspired that uh, it stirs folks that's wonderful isn't it but what about on those dark nights Tuesday night when there's no service and there's no preaching and there's nobody to encourage you and it's just you and your thoughts and the devil talking to you what are you going to do then see that's when you better know where the victory is in the word of God we put the Word first. I said we put the Word first. Thank God for the Spirit. And the, when we say that, it sort of means a lot of things. But thank God for the move of the Spirit. Thank God for the feelings and the, and the, uh, um, you know, the, the things that you can sense spiritually. But thank God for the Word. Because... I have literally, Cherie can testify to this, I have literally taken the Word of God and held it up to skylights. We had a condo in Alabama, and it had skylights over the living room, you know. And I would read the Scripture and hold it, hold the Word up to the skylight as if God needs to look through there to see me, you know. But it was for it was for my sake that I did this. But I hold the word up like this in the skylight, and I said, Read this, Father. You said it. This is your letter to me. 
This is what your word says. And I just want you to know that even though it doesn't look like you're moving, I've actually said this in prayer, it doesn't look like you're moving. It doesn't feel like you're moving. It doesn't seem like you're moving. But according to this verse that I just read, you know, I'd read some verse pertinent to my need. Amen. I said, according to this scripture, you are supplying my need. So I just want you to know that as I drift off to sleep tonight, I thank you that your word is true and I can count on it. And I can have no fear that tomorrow my need is met. And that every day. And I literally, one time I wrote out all my scriptures on little papers. And I put them in a big circle. Now this is not something to, we're not going to start the first church and write out the scriptures, you know. But this is just something I did. And I, I I only did it once. You know, it's not like something I regularly do. But I wrote out these scriptures and I put them in a big circle. And I took the Bible and I closed it. And respectfully, I laid it on the on those verses. And I stood on top of the Word. I got, and I, got I got the big Bible out, you know, and laid it down. And I stood there on top of that. And I said, Father, I'm standing on Your Word. I'm Amen. I'm standing on Your Word. I'm standing on Your promises. I'm standing on what You said. And I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm not moved by what's not happening. Sometimes the biggest challenge is what's not happening. You're praising God. You're thanking Him. You're rejoicing. And nothing's changed. And it's like, well, yeah, you must be doing something wrong. Let me tell you, the devil has never encouraged anybody to read Scripture. Have you ever noticed you'll read Scripture and quote it and claim it, and the devil will say, you're wasting your time? Well, if that was true, and, I, and I'll beat the devil at this game, I said, well, if that's true, then you ought to be encouraging me to do this constantly. Or it's like praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues. You ever, you ever done that for a while? The devil will talk to your head. You are wasting your time. Listen at you. You sound like a babbling fool. What is wrong with you? This is craziness. Stop it. You don't even know what you're saying. This is what the thoughts that can come to your head. And you go, well devil, if I were you, then I would encourage people to do this. Folks who say, well, speaking in tongues is of the devil. Somebody said, you ever been someplace that was just really wild, you know, a lot of bad things going on, you'll never find anybody there speaking in tongues. If it was of the devil, I'm pretty sure if speaking in tongues was of the devil, it would be in every movie. Because they have everything else that's wrong in there. And yet I've yet to see a movie where somebody spoke in tongues unless they were making fun of it. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, praise God. You know, we, we... I always say whatever the devil's saying, I use it for confirmation that I'm on the right track. Because when I'm praying quoting Scripture, praising the Lord, praying in the Spirit, singing songs, 
psalms, spiritual hymns unto the Lord, worshiping. And the devil tells you you're wasting your time. I'll say, thank you for the confirmation. Praise the Lord. I must be making you nervous. Why else is he talking so heavy to you? Amen? And whatever you're claiming, the devil will say, that's a waste of time. Well, then I'll claim double. Somebody said, you know, talking about, <laughs> was Kenneth Hagin, he was talking about claiming, claiming money that he needed, you know, for, for his ministry, his life. The devil said, uh, I wouldn't do that if I were you. He says, okay, just for that, if you keep talking, I'm going to claim twice as much. He said, that's the way to get the devil to shut up. He didn't want any preacher to have twice as much. <laughs> Amen. Well, that's the truth, isn't it? We beat him at his game. If he's talking to us, it must mean we're on to something. We're about to discover. What are we discovering? We're discovering how defeated he is. We're discovering what a smokescreen he's putting up. He uses our five senses himself to get us to... What is he really after? He's after our faith. He's after our trusting in God. He wants us to say, God is not taking care of me. He wants us to say, God is not being faithful, so that He can mock God. But praise God, the louder He yells, even through pain, even through symptoms, even through problems, the more that we declare, God is meeting my needs. He is putting me over. It takes just as much breath to say it's working. In fact, it's less words to say it's working than to say it's not working. You have to put the not in it. Amen. Get your not out of it. Jerk the not out, hallelujah, and say it is working. What's working? The Word is working. The life of God is working. Hallelujah. I'm identifying with His victory, not my failure. Preach, Brother David. Amen. Does that help you today? Hallelujah. Again, how many want to reach your divine destiny in life? You want to fulfill what God's called you. Well, you have to have a change of identity in order to do that. Start identifying with Him, and you'll see victory come to your life. Amen? All right, praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands and thank God for the Word today. Thank You for the truth. Father, I thank You this Word that's been declared will not return void, but will accomplish what is desired in Jesus' name. Thank You, Lord, for fulfilling Your will in us and through us for Your kingdom and for Your glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If every head bowed and every eye closed, please, in a moment, in, uh, in honor to God. If you're here this morning and you haven't accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you would like to do that this morning. You'd like to say, I'd like to... To, to know that I'm a child of God. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Did you know that 
You only have to do three things to be saved. You have to hear the gospel. And you've heard the gospel this morning. Jesus died on the cross for you. Paid the price for your sins. And then you have to, number two, you have to believe the gospel. That's a decision and a choice you make. And God gives you the faith to do that. And the courage to do that. And finally, call on His name. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And that that you believe that He's the Son of God and that He died on the cross for you, shed His blood, and was risen again and lives today. And then you can be born again. The Spirit of God will come into your heart. If you're here this morning and you have never done that or you would like to do that this morning, would you raise your hand? 